Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. David Weisenhorn, our Extension Specialist for Parenting and Child Development. Welcome, David. Thank you. David, today's topic is a tough one, but I think important for many of our listeners. Today, we are going to talk about talking to your kids about COVID-19. And as we all know, the spread of the coronavirus, it has truly captured the world's attention on many levels. Um, Societal's response has, has created a lot of change in our daily lives. The kids are out of schools. There's been cancellations and rescheduling of major sporting events, community events, that really and truly this is something that none of us have ever experienced before. And I think as hard as it is for adults to try and make sense of these uncertain times, it can be harder for children. And talking to our children about the coronavirus is important. We want to make them feel safe and secure and loved. And this is something, it's a conversation that's been going on at my house for the last several days that I'm our regular listeners know that my kiddos are, are fairly wide spaced in age, that our oldest is 15 and our youngest is eight. And I have found that we're having very different conversations with each of them because they're processing differently, especially for our older one. And as we talk today, I kind of want to ask some of these questions to help him process. But especially for our older one, I've kind of come to the conclusion that he is seeing and hearing. We can't limit as much for him. So he's seeing and hearing most of what adults are seeing and hearing, but he doesn't have kind of the life experiences to fall back on. So it's really, I think, difficult to help him process. But let's kind of jump right in today. I know that you have some some tips to share with parents about how to talk with your children and how to make them feel safe and secure and loved during this time. Yeah. And Dr. Hunter, I'll start by uh, by saying one of the things I've heard you mentioned that I think is key, and I just want to give that to to all the listeners today, is that remember when we are talking to our children, there are things that we need to consider before we respond. And those are are the child's age, the knowledge they have of the situation, and, and really to consider their unique personality. And when I share that, that may cause some folks to, to be a bit miffed as to why I mentioned those, uh, specifically the child's personality. But I believe that the way our children are geared to respond in life often affects the way that they respond to, to big issues and concerning issues. Specifically, uh, today we're talking about COVID-19 and, and again, a very impactful event that's taking place and one that we need to consider um, how how we talk and, and handle that with our children. So I do appreciate your mentioning that the way that you spoke to your older child is different than maybe the way you're speaking to your younger child about that. And I think that is key for all of us uh, as parents that we think about those unique differences in our children and how we temper what we say. Well, when you talk about personality, so our little girl, she she's a lover. She wears her heart on the sleeve. Yeah. She would <laughs> hug everybody she uh-huh. meets. And, and she just, she emotionally invests as much as an eight-year-old can emotionally invest. 
you know, when she hears about people being sick, mm-hmm. that makes her sad. Mm-hmm. And so her personality is very different than our son, who's who's older. But even when he was little, you, you know, he wasn't as much of a of a lover. You, you know, he kind of held yes. his emotions in a little bit more and processed differently than what she does. So it is very unique to each child. Yeah, and, and so I think that's where my first suggestion would be with parents is to really focus more on listening to the child and what their questions are and maybe trying to hear at the root of why they're asking those questions. And so listening, taking time, uh, not bombarding our children with a bunch of questions, but allowing them to kind of uh, determine when, not only when, but what to ask and what what those issues are that seem to be in their heart or in topics of concern. So if you know that your child likes to process things slowly, let them process them slowly. Allow them to bring it up on their own time. But if you do have concerns on whether how your child is processing or, or, or if they have um, concerns about what's taking place right now among their classmates and, and friends, then at simply asking them if they have any questions about what they're hearing is a good first step. And I think that that's one question that I have is how much do we listen? How much do we how much do we share with them? So should we bring the topic up at the dinner table and then listen to what they have to say about it? Or mm. should we should we not? Should we kind of try and shield them from it completely? You know, again, I think it comes back to knowing our children and, and parents. I want to encourage you that you know your children better than anybody else does. And so this is a topic. If you see your child who is already maybe showing signs of anxiety or uh, fear, then then maybe steering away from those kind of conversations could be helpful. However, sometimes information, certainly for older folk, uh, older children, even into the adult age, we find comfort in knowing more information. And so that may be the case with your child. So is it okay to bring that up at the table? Sure. Maybe it's a good time to have those conversations. There's been enough change in our day-to-day lives that may warrant a dinner conversation. And so bringing that up, I think is fine. But I think that listening key would be where I would want parents to focus and just tune in to what it is that they're asking and what it is they want to know in keeping us from sharing or oversharing information that may further frighten them or cause anxiety. So when you mentioned sharing and and then you came back and said, or oversharing, let's talk a little bit about just how honest should we be as parents with them? Yeah. And I appreciate that. That is honesty is key. And I believe that in all of our relationships, but certainly and especially with our children, we need to be as honest as we can. So listening and being as correct as we have information. And what's interesting about that is, is I want to, again, empower parents to say, I don't know if that is the truth. If you don't know what the answer is, that's a good answer to give. And, and while it may leave children feeling uncertain in some ways, that's enough for them, uh, depending on the age. And I don't know isn't a good answer. But going back to how honest can we be and what do we share? I think trying to relate this COVID-19 or, or the uh, coronavirus to something that they already understand, a bad cold or a flu-like symptoms, and then just letting them know if those questions arise. Can people die from that? Do people die? I think a good response to that is saying, yes, some people are affected more severely than others by this disease, and we don't know exactly who or why that those circumstances are are happening. 
we've tried to explain to our kids as well, because as you just mentioned about, you know, liking it to the flu, because especially if they're school age at this time of year, it's been flu season. They often know someone in their class or maybe them themselves have had the flu. But one thing that we learned that our little girl didn't really understand is that there are people that could get very ill from having the flu and might need hospitalization or, you know, unfortunately, maybe they they could pass away, that there are deaths in the U.S. every year from the flu. So we kind of helped talk her through that because it hadn't been too many weeks ago that her brother and her dad had had the flu. And so we helped her understand that they got sick, they got better, but there could be other people that maybe did not have the same outcome and that that's kind of just the way that the flu works and that's kind of the way that the coronavirus works as well. Yeah, again, I think that honesty is key. And so, yes, have people died from this? Yes, they have. But at the same time, we need to try and stay away from that topic. Not that we know all the answers because we don't know those answers. So being able to say honestly, yes, there are cases where people have passed away from this. Don't avoid that topic, but also don't harp on that either. One thing that I also know that that you've mentioned, especially as we've talked over the last few days, is about limiting the the news footage for Mm -hmm. for our kiddos. And can you share a little bit with us about placing limits on the level of exposure for our kids? Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to just from a personal perspective, I think. It has helped me. I think at times when I, I can go home and turn it on and, and if it just continues to, to bombard us, it seems like some of the media can in, incite fear. Uh, it can make us question day to day what's happening. And I think reducing that can reduce some of the fears. And so I do believe that limiting media exposure is is certainly a valuable is valuable right now in our lives, but also in the lives of our children. And so, again, as parents, we are protectors, and so we want to protect our children. And I think a lot of that protection is not that we're keeping them from the information, but that we're being we're acting more as a filter for that information that we can then process that, understand it better, and then begin to bring that to our children in digestible chunks of of information, something that is more on their level and truthfully may or may not be pertinent to them. And so therefore we may not need to share all the information that we're hearing from the media. But yes, I think the limiting to a little bit of each day for parents to get that, but maybe limiting depending on the age of your child completely as to what they see. Our little girl. And again, she just processes information so emotionally. I didn't really realize, but we had the news on where it was talking about, um, grocery store, food shortages. And she became really concerned about, do we have enough food? And then she also immediately went to my parents because she had uh, she had heard them say about older adults and how older adults shouldn't be out, that she wanted to know, do Gammy and Papa have enough food? And how are we making certain they get food? And so she, she very quickly absorbed it, which made us realize we really have to limit um, the amount of this going on, even if it was just background noise that she was paying attention, she was hearing. And so we tried to, to reassure her that, you know, um, that, that there was plenty of food available and that grocery stores would continue to get food and that we can go out and get that food, that we can take care of her during this time. And I think that's a, a really valid point. And I think that that is one one issue that I think happens with some of the media is that our children then begin to, to take that information and go even further. And, and we mentioned about what media is saying right now in that there are 
demographics of individuals that are at heightened risk, specifically those in the elder population, the, the older than 65 and older, uh, the older adult population is one that there is, is a heightened awareness on and concern for. And so my children have even been asking about the health of their grandparents and, and can they get this? Can they not get this? And again, goes back to a point I said earlier of just being honest, what we don't want to do. Uh, we don't want to promise our children that this virus will never impact our community or our loved ones or the people that we know. And so just reassuring them, though, that there are a lot of people right now in our communities that are, that are working very hard each and every day to keep us safe. And if you have really young children, being able to name those individuals, specifically saying doc, there are doctors and nurses and government officials right now that are working on our behalf to keep us all safe. Uh, and we're working really hard to do that. So, so trying to reassure them that there is a lot of good going on and to try and reduce some of that fear that they're having. So, David, we've talked a lot about um, smaller children, but as I said at the beginning, yeah. I wanted to ask you some specific questions about older children because sure. we're talking about limiting exposure. So our oldest is 15. He has, even though, and this is a whole other podcast about limiting his screen time and access to phone <laughs> and websites and all of that, but um, but he does have access because he does he does have a phone. But also, you know, especially when they're at home from school, he has the ability to play video games with his friends online. So he has a lot of communication points with other people that smaller children may not have. And um, just specifically last night at dinner, he he sat down and, you know, he didn't have much to say. And about halfway through dinner, because I kind of asked questions about the day and how they done on their schoolwork and all that um, as they're adapting to their new normal. He said, one of my friends their parents were in the restaurant industry and they've lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. And he said, what happens now that his mom and dad don't have a job? And then, you know, it kind of went into, uh, well, what about your jobs? And, you know, what kind of, you know, are we okay if something, you know, happens? Do we, you know, he didn't use the words emergency fund, but that's pretty much what he was alluding towards is, you know, financially, are we okay? And also, is my friend going to be okay? Mm -hmm. How do we help our older children that have the ability to take, again, all this information in, but do not really have the life experience that a, that a grown adult would have to be able to process it. Yeah, I think what I hear from you was a really good response. And, and I think, again, in that honesty policy, that if our children are asking specifics about our jobs, about our financial security within our own homes, that we can share that as parents. Uh, as much as we feel like they're able to handle. And sometimes what I mean by that is maybe not monetary figures, but saying, yes, we're going to be okay. But again, maybe the answer is, I don't know. How are his parents or, or their parents? Are they going to be okay? What happens if they lose their job? Again, right now with the uncertainty of where things are and how things may progress, I think the answer, I don't know, is a good answer. For some children and for some parents, even, that's a hard answer to get. But at the moment, it may be the best that we can provide. Yeah, and, I, and I will say to try and put his mind at ease some, and also as educators, a little bit of a teachable moment. You, you know, we kind of said, well, you know, mom and dad, we, we have, you know, this set aside in savings. We didn't give them a specific amount, but kind of gave them an idea of the length of time, mm-hmm. you know, kind of number of months that you would have for an emergency savings fund. So, and, you know, we said, obviously, you know, we would have to reduce our expenses and this type of thing, but we, you know, we would be fine for this period of time. And that seemed to give him some peace to, mm-hmm. to realize that 
oh, they have a plan in place. Because that's not really a conversation that we, you know, it's not like we sit around and talk to our kids about financial emergencies. So it, it seemed to give him a little bit of comfort to realize, oh, they thought about this one. And so just him knowing that and us kind of reassuring him that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And so we can't, we can't promise mm-hmm. and we can't, you know, say this for sure, but we've tried to prepare and this is kind of how we tried to prepare. Again, we were also trying to use it as a teachable moment for him going yeah. forward, but also just trying to put his mind at ease because I did realize last night we've never shared that really with him. Uh, mm-hmm. This is how we've this is how we've done this in our household, and every household is going to be different. But just sharing with him what we personally had done. Yeah, I think what a great what a great example of how the conversations shift depending on the age and older children. This may be a topic that brings up other important topics that we can discuss with our children, like the importance of financial saving and, and preparation and what that entails. And there may be other topics that also arrive as an offshoot of where we are right now in some of the ways that societally we are having to respond to COVID-19. And so be prepared as parents to, to as we're spending more time, we're getting the opportunity to spend more time with our children with a lot of the school closures what an opportunity this is to have meaningful, important conversations with our children. And David, just as we wrap up today, would you mind to share with our listeners access to reliable sources of information to be able to, to kind of process or dispel myths that they might hear? Yes, absolutely. A couple of sites that I would recommend highly would be if any of the new developments and information come available, you'll be able to get that information from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is also uh, CDC. If you want to just Google that, they have a, a wealth of information on the virus, also on family planning and preparations that you can do, how to stay healthy in this moment. Another uh, organization that I would highly recommend would be the World Health Organization or WHO. And you can also Google that information, and they've got a great section on Mythbusters, which I would highly recommend. Is some information sometimes there's incorrect information that's getting put out there, and so here is a, a trusted site, internationally well known, that you can go and see if the information that you have or have heard is a myth or is true. And so I, I do recommend that they do that as well as. Uh, the, your local cooperative extension office is also a good place for getting information on the opportunities to do during this time and a source of information for other topics during this time as well. Dr. Weisenhorn, thank you so much for joining us today and having a very candid conversation about um, helping our kiddos address the current situation. Well, thank you so much. I'm always glad to be here. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question, or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for Family and Consumer Sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.